This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. The purpose of this video is to provide general information and education about the care of a critically ill child. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision-making and judgment by a qualified healthcare professional. The information contained in this video should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Postpyloric tube placement by Susan Hamilton. Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Introduction. I'm Susan Hamilton. I'm a clinical nurse specialist at Children's Hospital Boston. I'm going to demonstrate for you today how to place a feeding tube in a child so that they may get nutrition if they are unable to take their nutrition orally. I'm going to place this patient's tube postpylorically. Postpyloric placement needs to be done under controlled situation and only by trained personnel. You would make policies in your institution and use the resources that you have for placing a tube into the postpyloric position. Indications. The major indication for performing this procedure is to provide enteral feeding or deliver medications to a child who will not tolerate oral or gastric feeding secondary to known or suspected risk for aspiration, the use of non-invasive ventilation, or severe gastric dysmotility. Contraindications. The first contraindication that would prompt healthcare providers to refrain from this procedure is the presence of any nasal, facial, or basilar skull fractures. Another contraindication would be any clinical disorders of the esophagus, stomach, or small intestine, including esophageal atresia, severe esophageal or small intestinal stricture, and esophageal or gastric perforation. Please exercise caution when performing this procedure in patients, receiving anticoagulant therapy, or that have a bleeding disorder or thrombocytopenia with a platelet count less than 50,000. Equipment. You will need the following equipment to perform the procedure. Styletted feeding tube. Syringe. Lubricant. Tape. Stethoscope. Sharps container. Clear adhesive dressing. Procedure. The first thing that we want to do in order to place a tube is to actually make the measurements. I'm going to use the styletted feeding tube. 
If I was only going to the stomach, I would start with my measurement of nose to ear in ear to xiphoid, and that measurement would be for a stomach placement. These tubes actually have markings on them with numbers, but if you're going to be putting this tube in for long term, a piece of tape or a marking with a marker that's indelible would be the best thing to do. So I'm going to put a mark right there. That will be a one for stomach placement. The next measurement would be to take the tube and measure from the mid xiphoid to the mid axillary line. That would help to get the tube across the pylorus and into the first part of the duodenum. I'm going to put a second marking there. And then, depending on the size of the child, you want to add a few more centimeters onto the length of the tube to allow the tube to move forward closer to the jejunum. Once the tube is all set, you'll prepare your patient for tube placement, you'll lubricate your tube, and get ready for insertion. Point of clarification. To approximate the jejunal or third marking from the duodenal or second marking, add the following centimeters. 5 to 7 centimeters for a newborn, 7 to 10 centimeters for 1 to 4 years, 10 centimeters for greater than 4 years. Flush the tube with water through the stylet port prior to inserting it into the patient. This will activate the internal powder lubricant, making removal of the stylet easier. I'm now ready to place the tube. I'm going to get the patient into a position of comfort. For a post-pyloric feeding tube placement, it is actually helpful to place the patient down on the right side to facilitate gravity movement of the tube past the stomach through the pyloric sphincter. I'm going to lubricate the tube and I'm going to attach a syringe to the end of the tube because I'm going to use air to help move the tube once I get past the stomach marking. The first marking I'm going to go to is the stomach marking. At that point, I'm going to stop, confirm placement, and try to obtain a pH aspirate. Once the patient is ready, I'm going ahead and start to place the tube. If the patient starts to have coughing at this point that they can't stop and they appear distressed, immediately pull out the tube and allow the patient to recover. Excessive coughing can be a sign that the tube is actually heading into the lung instead of the stomach. I'm going to assure that the patient's not coughing or having any respiratory distress. At the stomach marking, I'm going to stop and have a listen for air. To advance the tube past the stomach, a bolus of air is used to try to open the pyloric sphincter and move the tube along. It's kind of a feel situation that you will feel a give in the tube once you've gotten it past the stomach. So at the same time, you want to advance the tube and push the bolus of air to blow open the sphincter. The tube should begin to move easily if you've actually gotten past the stomach. You can stop at that spot, and if you still have free give, you can continue to move with the bolus of air the tube to the final marking at the number three.
Once you've gotten the tube to the desired position, you want to do two more things to help confirm placement. I'm actually going to have Kate help hold the tube here so that I don't lose the tube while I'm doing this. So if Kate holds that secure, two ways that you want to check. The first one is to get a positive snap. A snap test is when the tube gets into the small bowel, because the lumen of the bowel is smaller, you will, if you instill air, you should not be able to get air back. So what I will do is take about five mLs of air and inject it into the bowel. And when I pull back, I should not be able to get any air and the syringe will pull right back in, suck the air, any air right back in. That would be a positive snap. I also want to listen for high-pitched gurgling sounds over the right upper quadrant of the abdomen. I'm first going to listen over the stomach and then at the right upper quadrant of the abdomen, and then I want to listen at the esophagus for the absence of air. In small babies, you may still hear sounds in the stomach because of the overall size of the abdomen. There may be referred sounds. I'm just going to use about 5 mLs of air again, and I'm going to listen over the stomach, and I should hear faint gurgling. I'm going to use five more mLs, and I'm going to listen in the right upper quadrant, and I'm looking for high-pitched gurgling or crackling type noises. Then I want to listen one more time over the esophagus to be sure that there are no sounds, which would be a sign that the tube has gone back into the stomach and back into the esophagus. I hear no sounds over the esophagus and I have a positive snap and high-pitched crackles. So I feel confident that this tube is in place, but I will confirm it with an x-ray. At this point, I want to go ahead and take the stylet out. The stylet has been pre-lubricated, so it should come right out. You have that tight. I'm going to pull that out. And at that point, you want to put this in a sharps container in case of um, contamination. I'm going to get that tube secured and I'm going to go ahead and get an x-ray. Once the tube placement has been confirmed and you're ready to start feedings, there's a few things that you need to do for care and maintenance of this tube. Because of the small diameter of the tube and potentially thick of formula or other type of feed, you want to make sure that you prophylactically flush this tube at least every eight hours with five to 10 mLs of water. If the patient is receiving medications through this tube, a flush should be given after every med. So if you have to give three meds, you should give the med and then a flush and then start with the next med and give a flush. If there's any resistance to flushing, you want to use about a 10 ml size syringe and try to just flush with water or with normal saline and try to pull back. Never put the stylet back in once it's been taken out due to the risk of perforation of the bowel. You also want to confirm that the marking is where it should be and where it was. So in your documentation, you should document what number or put the magic marker mark on there and always confirm that it's still in place before you start feedings. 
And if you're using a small bowel tube, you never want to give feeds in a bolus fashion. You always want to give these feeds continuously because a large bolus would not be tolerated in the small bowel. Complications. The complications that you may observe include inadvertent placement into the lungs, nasal, gastric, or small intestinal bleeding from mucosal irritation or injury, feeding-related diarrhea, or gastric, esophageal, or small bowel perforation. Please note that you may or may not observe any of these complications during or following this procedure. I encourage you to monitor your patient closely for signs or symptoms of complications and to be prepared to manage them, which includes having the necessary equipment available to treat the complications should any arise. Assessment and Monitoring First of all, it is important to monitor the patient's vital signs, including oxygen saturation. You will also want to observe for significant and or unresolving coughing. Finally, you will want to assess the patient's comfort during the procedure. Documentation Following post-pyloric tube placement, you should document the following information in the patient's medical record. The indication for the procedure. The time and date of the procedure. The depth of tube insertion. A confirmation of post-pyloric placement, which includes the presence or absence of a snap and the presence of the tube in the small intestine on abdominal x-ray. The vital signs before, during, and after the procedure. You will also want to document the patient's comfort with the procedure and any adverse outcomes. This concludes our video. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.